and welcome to the Oh Dear Podcast. My name is Christian Duran, Senior Vice President of Oh Dear Nation, Oh Dear Limited, and all subsidiaries, therefore, of here to which. Uh, with me are my co-hosts, as always, Nick Whitmer. Oh, yeah. And Brett Rabel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> hey, Christian, I have to make something because I a fear just took me over. Can I share mm-hmm. with you what my fear is, my insecurity? Yeah. Um, I realized since you are, you know, the senior vice president of pretty much the entire Oh Dear media umbrella mm-hmm. conglomerate. Empire franchise. Sure. A lot of the things that I've made um, using my equipment, which you could argue is owned by OD or limited. Mm-hmm. Are you going to try to claim that anything I've made on my own is actually in fact, the property of, of OD <laughs> because uh, I used it using OD equipment. Remember that contract you signed when we first started <laughs> that actually, yeah. uh, you actually signed all that away to me. <laughs> you so right away. So Christian is like so, one of those record execs and like the yeah. biopic who's taken everything. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, uh, I'm like Clive Davis, just Whitney Houston drowned, drowned in my bathtub upstairs while I'm having a party downstairs. <laughs> Except instead of millions of dollars, it's like 40 bucks. <laughs> it's like Our ad bucks. revenue on a uh, anchor is like a hundred bucks and, Christian's like, well, I get 98 of the 100 and you guys split the rest. <laughs> um, you guys each get a buck. Yeah, with that I being said, go YouTube check out Brett's new special. Go ahead. I said, with that being said, check That's out Brett's right. new special coming out soon. <laughs> Should I get 80 cents? Oh, yeah, Christian, <laughs> Christian's the executive producer of it now. <laughs> I own that. Um, don't I, just start, I just start wearing a seersucker suit and a white hat. <laughs> like, oh, Brett. Like, where did Christian get all this money? <laughs> you all missed some of your, some of those royalties for that uh, album. <laughs> that's very funny i just charge you a bunch of marketing fees well that's the hollywood accounting right that i've no. never had to endure <laughs> yeah listen brett we're, that's what they always say yeah no no movie ever made any money how about instead of hollywood accounting for where christian lives it's the uh ridgewood queens accounting the ridgewood <laughs> accounting <laughs> oh that's amazing um there's a speaking of terrible contracts can i tell you guys one Mm-hmm. My friend, uh, one of my friends was actually on the television show um, Married at First Sight. Yeah. yeah. Have you heard of that show? Yes. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. Never watched it, but heard of it. Yeah. Netflix? So uh, I think it's uh, A&E. It's okay. A&E or Oxygen or w- one of those. And um, the premise is, well, you are married to a person at first sight. Mm-hmm. Like the first time you see someone, they, you know, they're like love matchmaking experts at, uh, in, from the entire pool of people who applied will pick certain, you know, this 15, 14 contestants. Um, and then they will pick them and you will get married to that person literally on on television. And that's that. And then you have to like the shows about watching them try to figure out what the hell it's like being married to a person that they've never met before. Yeah. God, it's amazing what people will do just to, for the opportunity to maybe get famous. Yeah. 
My friend is a person who is like, she's a, has a really adventurous spirit and she's like, uh, actually a doctor now. So she kind of just wanted to do something really bizarro and adventurous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, has no. Let's be honest. She was just trying to pay off medical debt. <laughs> she medical school. She was like, maybe I can parlay this whole thing into with my own little series on Bravo, and then I won't have to. I can just pay off all my student loan debt for this doctorate degree I have. I mean, certainly, I'm sure she was like, oh, it's not that. E- it's maybe easier money, but having known my friend, no, she's not trying to parlay this into any Bravo. People who are doctors tend to be devoted to being doctors because it's really fucking hard to get there. What about Except- Dr. Drew? <laughs> like there's a lot of, there's a lot of like doctors who don't really, I don't know. Here's what I'm saying. Don't project your insecurity with everyone who does reality television as fame whores onto. Well, why am I, I'm not insecure about you're that. The one, no, you're the one who said, here's what she's doing. And I'm going, fuck you. She want to do that. I know her. How Fair. about Dr. Ken John? So, yeah, there's a lot of there's a, like doctors are sh- should be respected and stuff, but like they're not also um, like completely immune to the the lures of like bullshit fame. Yeah, but my, I'm not gonna. I don't know your friend. You know your friend, so I'm just you. You you continue, Brett. I I trust you. Real quick before um, you go, I just want to yeah. say that my podiatrist only takes cash, so. Fucking, you got a Venmo in? I know. He's fucking selling sneakers in the back room. He is. Yeah, I took a picture of his back room, and he was uh, selling sneakers. He actually, um, I looked him up. I just googled him because I couldn't remember where the address of the place was. So Mm -hmm. I googled his name, and then it's. uh, I saw an article about like uh, so and so is in uh, arrested or indicted for three point two million gambling ring. And then oh, I was like, boy. oh, that's why he takes everything in cash. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't oh want God. any of it on record so he doesn't have to pay it back. He's like OJ. <laughs> <laughs> He's just doing cash autographs. <laughs> like, God, dude, no paper trail. <laughs> it's like a 12-year-old. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway, anyway sorry, Christian, Brett. I feel like, no, no, your podiatrist is totally that guy from Uncut Gems. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like he's making deals. Those very shady, like gambling related uh, mobsters. He just has like a pawn shop in the back of it to just yeah. be like, while you're there getting your, uh, you know, operation or whatever the fuck. He's like, oh, yeah. you dude, I have some Nikes that are in your size. <laughs> They're Jordans, dude. You're going to love them. <laughs> Kevin Garnett's coming watch. I have a gold watch, too. Check out this Opel Diamond. And look at this Opel Diamond. It'll it'll give you good luck in basketball. It's like, you like Kevin Garnett? (laughs) Here's a, uh, he's coming in later. I'll give you his jersey if you, uh, if you don't uh, pay for these bunion things or whatever it fucking is. But he's the type who would, while he's pitching you some, like a sale, he would also scream egregiously loud at his secretary about something, but then go back to a conversation with you like it was nothing. You know, I told well, it's you funny because all his- yes. Because all his assistants are like, I don't know. There's like a dude um, named Sal who like mm-hmm. clearly doesn't oh, of know. Course. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's doing. Does he wear a tracksuit? <laughs> <laughs> under, under his scrubs. 
they, they got a door, a glass door where they got to buzz you in and out. Yeah. <laughs> to look up at a camera, have yeah. the camera see your face completely before they're like, all right. It's so funny because he's like, all right, now grab the uh, grab the hypodermic needle. He's like, no, that's a <laughs> that's a tonsil thing checker. <laughs> like, I need a needle, Sal. And there's just like kids working, not kids, but like teenagers all are his assistants and stuff. It's kind of like whatever. Anyway, sorry, Brett. That was a weird tangent. No, no. I say that to say that. Uh, and, you know, one other doctor who was not getting on a reality show for fame reasons, I have to say, is Dr. Allison Rabel on television show Survivor. She just admittedly just love the show Survivor. So yeah. I give her a pass. I, I take it back. Actually, she's just trying to she's just trying to get on uh, E News. <laughs> um, Allison, but, uh, Ray, the only way she would get on E News at that point is just if you or Jordan did something like actionable. Like Allison, former Survivors contestant Allison Rabel's brother has a yeah, thing called gum rags. He thought it'd be funny <laughs> to sell gum rags. That's the thing is like I need to not like on Reddit. Literally, I've posted a a stand up comedy video, and the reference point a redditor has known me as is like, wait a minute, is that Allison Rabel from Survivor's brother? <laughs> I gotta get famous enough to get out of the shadow of her reality television stardom. From he's, yeah, he's like great comedy. Can you send me pictures of her feet? <laughs> <laughs> You know, she did have someone reach out to her about that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Brett has a really funny bit about it. A gentleman on the internet reached out to her and um, to pay her money for her pictures of her feet. And I joked with my sister. I was like, I mean, let me do it. Let me take it. Because <laughs> in my head, I'm like similar genetics. So I'll offer him probably a more competitive rate. Um, cause yeah. my Allison, you know, Allison, my sister, Allison's the star and you know, I'm second rate, kind of the Donnie Wahlberg of the family, um, <laughs> or the, uh, Billy Baldwin or whoever you want insert any famous person's, uh, sibling that no one knows, but this is the predatory contract that they made my friend sign on married at first sight. Any entertainment or entrepreneurial venture that um, a contestant who is on Married at First Sight launches after the show, the network will try to attempt to claim 50% of all revenues. 50? Oh, my God. Arguing well, there, your platform. There you go, though. It kind platform, of proves yep. my point. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, your platform was accrued because of – you got used ours. So yeah, no matter what you make, it's like a portion of it is ours. Sorry. That's just how it is. Because that's what happens to shows and stuff. Like I was, remember shark tank a few years ago when that fucking dude from the Sopranos, like had the, the broccoli, the wallet clip or whatever to hold the money in. It's just like the yeah. only reason why that guy got on the show is because he was on the Sopranos. Otherwise he's just a fucking idiot Italian guy <laughs> that no one cares about. <laughs> so like, it's kind of funny that, um, that like, it, like I said, it proves my point. It proves my point that, uh, uh, they're like Bravo or whatever channel that's on is so aware that people could possibly be using this as like their, you know, leg into show business. And they're like, we want our pound of flesh. It's also horseshit though, because like if your friend, um, starts her own practice 
you know, as a doctor, does that count? Because it's I her like, own business. Like, <laughs> like mean, that just seems kind of absurd. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know the exact specifics, but I'm sure I wouldn't put it past the show to try to take any, like, oh, what's that? You make 60K selling insurance? Well, 30 of that is because, you know, <laughs> You're able to put on your resume. You're on our show. So she can't open like, up like a, that'd be funny if they were really predatory about it, and they're like, you know, somebody who was on that show was like the general manager of a Waffle House and made forty eight k a year. <laughs> they're like, no, 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 no. Where's our twenty four? Oh, your where mom, is it? Mom got you a fifty dollars gift card to Chipotle for Christmas. Well, actually, twenty five dollars of that is ours. So, so, oh, Al- so Allison can't open up. Um, survivor medical <laughs> practice <laughs> you know, like, you know, I don't know if CBS is worse than yeah that, that's really great. funny to try and be this <laughs> that'd be great if she sells like survivor oh, merchandise in the waiting room being, yeah <laughs> what kind of um what kind of doctor is she she's a uh, oncology so cancer doctor okay I was going to say, like, if she, she could start something like survival of the fittest or something. Oh, it's, like, you know, like, <laughs> it's like, what? It's just a phrase. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, this is her story and she tells it funnier than I, but certainly in the immediate, more immediate aftermath of the show or during when it was being aired, uh, she was like, maybe like three months after she was meeting with the patient. And as I mentioned, she is a cancer doctor, which is a very serious, um, like field. Like there are obviously some diagnoses that are incredibly heartbreaking. And I think she actually had to deliver bad news about a diagnosis to a patient and the patient like stopped and was like, before Allison was like, so, you know, let's just say, so Gary. Um, and then the guy was like, where do I know you from? And my sister was like, oh, this is awkward. I'm about to deliver this guy terrible news. And I don't want him to be like, but you were on Survivor? Yeah. So it's terminal. Like, it was, like she said, it was so awkward to just be like, uh, I don't know. I think I just have one of those faces. Anyway, let's focus on this. Remember how like I was voted off the island? Well, you're going to be voted off in about 90 days. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I have a friend, uh, I had a friend who works in like, uh, HR or something. It's like somebody, um, I used to know, but one time he was like, uh, <laughs> he goes, Oh man, I got to fire this guy. Eh, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> so that's hilarious. That's amazing to just be like, yeah, I'll just put, put his life in my hands tomorrow because it's just funny i'll ruin his life on my time yeah <laughs> like he's just penciled in after lunch and for yeah. him it's like you know a life-shifting event and he's like why didn't you call me this morning so i don't have to fucking come in <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you really? made me fucking get dressed and come to work and then fucking deal with half the day before you fired me just do it that guy, your your buddy's like, oh, I forgot to do it. All right, I'll just have him come in Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, can you uh, work Saturday this week? Uh, I guess, and then it's just so I can fire you, though. <laughs> yeah, That's go ahead. And, uh, it's he's like, well, can at least like you know 
dress down, business casual. No, 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 no. Suit and tie, suit and tie. Suit and tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Uh, no, dress code, normal dress code will be enforced. <laughs> what is this? A place, this is a place of business. Um, on, on the topic of like these companies taking stuff, I got to bring this up because it's like, there's a, now that things have changed, it's going to be kind of interesting. WWE is taking over their um, employees' personal Twitch accounts. They they told them that they're not allowed to have Twitch or Cameo, yeah. and um, and they were like, you have thirty, you have like thirty days or three months or whatever it was to relinquish all your cameos, all your Twitch accounts, and we will take them. And from then on, uh, we will give you a percentage of all the earnings from those Twitch accounts and cameos, and subtract them from oh, your downsides. Oh, and and subtract them from your downside guarantee. So meaning if you were going to make, let's say. What? Gonna, what does that mean? That means if you have a contract with WWE and you're supposed to make a hundred grand for the year, if you make 20 on Twitch, that Twitch is counts to that hundred grand. So they don't oh, have to pay no. you anymore. <laughs> oh my, what? <laughs> it's, it's not extra Dude, money. Vince McMahon is literally the worst man alive. <laughs> like that's so fucked up how he, he like, God, this is why, man, what a horrible man. What a terrible dude. It, 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 it can't be legal, right? Like it can't well, be legally permissible to be like, you can do this added work. And that added work is now just a part of your contract. And we just take it out of your, why don't wrestlers um, unionize? They tried to in the 80s, but Hulk Hogan squashed it. <laughs> uh, what a fucking bitch. Um, so with all this stuff, it, the interesting thing is that all this Twitch and Cameo conversation about these wrestlers losing their Twitch accounts to Cameo. And hold on. Actually, one more thing about it is not only are they losing their personal Twitch and um, Cameo accounts, which they thought they could keep if they just used their regular name because that's the mm -hmm. argument. Well, you're using your WWE name to create, to get this money. We should have right. a piece of that. Uh, so not only that, are they losing their accounts? But if you don't have a Twitch account or Cameo account, you will now be man. It will now be mandatory for you to do one. So if you were just like Randy Orton, not giving a shit about Twitch, now you have to do. Now you have to play video games. <laughs> Vince McMahon literally just like sent him an Xbox, <laughs> and they take it out of your contract. Yeah, my um, God! But what a fucking mess, man. But is wrestling is, hurting financially that bad? No, they're actually having record numbers. They actually are the only wrestling WWE is the only um, wrestling company that is doing well. Actually, recorded like record profits during the pandemic, and they're the only ones that uh, fired anybody. God, <laughs> what a fucking like what a scumbag, man! This is where like the whole big business and like the Bernie Sanders shit. It's just appalling that they can just act that way and there's no consequences. Well, here's the interesting thing about that now is that um, Andrew Yang got a hold of this story and he, uh, I guess he shit. a big wrestling fan. Uh -huh. So he got a hold of this and he's like, dude, you can't do that. He's like, you can't call them independent contractors and tell them that they have to give you their whatever. So he was like, well, uh, if Joe Biden gets elected, I'm going to do something about it. 
and here we are. <laughs> so well, you know what's funny, oh, man? That's that's such a good point because I, I was an independent contractor before, but I worked full time for a place, and it was completely not um, really legal for that to happen. Um, and I didn't mind because it's just one of those things. I wasn't making a ton of money, and I'm I was guaranteed employment, so I wasn't going to sit there and fight about it because there obviously wasn't something along this lines that really mattered. But if you're an independent contractor, it means that they hire you out and pay you your rate or whatever. And that means that, you know, they don't have to pay, you know, taxes or, um, or like workman's comp or anything like that. But you also can work for other people. You can also do whatever you want because yeah. you're not an official. There's not it. You're it's an independent contractor. Mm -hmm. So they can't tell you at one point that you're an independent contractor, but also, you know, you have to pay, you know, all of this cameo shit. Cause that's, that's where it like completely dies. Like if you want them to, if you want a piece of everything, then you need to sign like what the record deals do, like the 360 contracts with the musical artists. Cause it used to be back then, like the record deal, the record labels would only get money off of records sold and merch and things like that. But now since no one buys shit anymore, uh, every time a record company signs a, um, musician and Brett, you you know more the more of the industry than I do, but from what I understand, they're called 360 deals. And basically the record label gets a percentage of everything you do in terms of live dates and all those things, which before the bands would make a lot of their money doing live dates because that was all their money. Yeah. And then they would get paid, you know, not the majority of the record sales. That's where all the record executives got rich. Um, but again, like, you know, when you sign a label, to a label, like there are guarantees in your contract and there are certain things like that, rights that you get. In wrestling, it seems like they want it both ways. They want to be able to sign all of your like commercial uh, uh, rights or whatever and also not give you any type of benefits, which is just like the most horrendous thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, Jesse, the body Ventura, <clears throat> former governor of Minnesota conspiracy theories, Jesse, the body Ventura tried to unionize in the eighties and, uh, and it got squashed. Vincent Fan found out about it and shut it down. And uh, so years later, he's like, I don't, it must have been one of the boys, one of the wrestlers that shut it down. Cause I was, I was only talking to the wrestlers about unionizing. He's like, if we just didn't show up to WrestleMania three, he'd have to fucking do like, he'd have to listen to us and, you know, acquiesce to our demands. And uh, it got squashed or whatever. And then years later, he's suing Vince McMahon for something unrelated, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, he had him in deposition. And in deposition, you have to, they can ask you whatever you want and yeah. you have to answer honestly. You're so on the road. Yep. So he had his lawyer ask them, like, who squat? Did everybody mm -hmm. ever try to unionize? He goes, I believe Jesse did. And he goes, and how'd you find out about that? And he goes, Hulk Hogan told me. <laughs> <laughs> what a bitch, dude. You know, Hulk Hogan came to him and said, listen, Vince. The wrestlers are trying to unionize. If you give me a million dollars, I'll squash it. And that, then Vince goes, I either give him a million dollars or I have to pay him hundreds of millions. Yeah. And although, you know, and he probably just said, sure, Hulk Hogan, what a rat, dude. That's exactly it. Because Hogan was making the most. So he wants to protect his little pie. He does shit like that all the time. I'm not going to get too much into it. But Undertaker tells a great story about. Oh, fucking go for it. <laughs> Sorry. I care about this is all going back to uh, what Christian said about watching the Michael Jordan documentary he's like I like sports I just don't like the games yeah. like, I'm fascinated with the business of wrestling I yeah. don't give a fuck about the matches <laughs> like this is interesting yeah. to me 
so Undertaker comes in. He's like the hottest, newest thing in 1991 or 1990, whatever. In the country. Um, I mean, in the the country, (laughs) yes. It was Undertaker mania. (laughs) He was getting chased around by teenage girls when he came off a plane. (laughs) Until he said he was bigger than Satan and everybody was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) So, uh, So Undertaker is the hottest, newest thing at the time. Hogan is... It's kind of winding down, not mm-hmm. not out, but he's winding down. So uh, and Hogan's fiercely protective about a spot, right? So Undertaker is going to win the title from Hulk Hogan at uh, pay per view Survivor Series, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, so Hogan, who gets there, you know, three p.m. every day, Undertaker shows up at like two. Hogan's already there. And he's like, hey, brother, let me talk to you uh, in the showers because all the, that's where all the business was done back in the day in the shower. I got to talk to you in the shower. He's like, hey, brother, you got to you gotta just like watch out my neck. I got a bad neck. Uh, I'm worried about your finish. It's a tombstone pile driver. He basically like slams you down on your neck. Yeah. But the thing is, if you know the move, he's taking it all on his knees. So your yeah. head will – he has you secure enough to hit – your head will never touch, right? So uh, he's like, brother, 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 you got you to gotta watch out for my neck. Take care of my neck. And then Undertaker's like – yeah, I'm. I got you, dude. I I'll, I'll take care of you all day, all day. Hogan's going, brother. Remember my neck. Remember my neck. So they get into the match and uh, they do the spot. And I believe he's tombstoning him on a chair. So his head is supposed to. In the storyline, his head is supposed to hit the chair. Undertaker wins. Everybody goes, "Oh my God!" Undertaker's new hot ship. So Undertaker does the tombstone pile driver, and he goes. Brother, when I tell you I had him secure, I had him secure. And he drops to his knees, and then Hogan just goes, Oh, you got me, brother. (laughs) 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 So, so the thing is, then they like wheel him off. And Undertaker's like a young, he's like the new guy. So he's like, Oh my God, I just killed the golden goose. And there's no playback at the time. So he couldn't look at it. And he's like, Oh, fuck, I just killed the golden goose. And then he's like in the back checking on him. And Hogan's back there, fucking like an NBA player, like, Oh, oh, who just got filed. You know what I mean? He's just like, (laughs) he's floppy. He's like, call, he goes, call my wife and kids. (laughs) Uh, He's he's already in one of those, uh, litigation neck braces. Yeah. (laughs) So then they, so then like literally like the neck, like two days later, they put, they took the title off undertaker and put the title back on Hogan because Uh, now the perception is undertaker is not ready. He's reckless. He'll, he hurt the top guy when we gave him the ball and Hogan. And then he, uh, so he finally sees, sees it back undertaker. And he's like, his head, his head never hit the ground. And people are coming up to him like, bro, his head never hit. He's fucking. So he goes up to Hogan and he's like, uh, Terry, like, I don't know. I mean, I watched it back and you're, your head never hit the ground. He goes, well, brother, you know, it's just because you had me so tight that my neck had nowhere to move. And he's like, Oh, Okay, so the seatbelt uh, was the seatbelt was on too tight. That's that was the problem. <laughs> so he's so, just sitting there, just like, oh my god, yeah, so what, just, what, a, what a that, guy, man. The type of shit that someone has to do to hold on to their top spot, apparently. Exactly, and it's probably exactly. that type of organization that like incentivizes that. It's like. Capital's doing its job when it pits labor against labor. 
That's exactly. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's like yeah, that's great. They, they make you think that the the coworker is like trying to is gunning for you and the the enemy. When in reality, no, it's not fucking them. But Hogan believed it. Yeah. Could you imagine if like it's so stupid to think about competitiveness like that? Like if comics were competitive with each other. Like Brett has a special coming out in November. What day, Brett? You remind the people. Twenty third, baby. Brett, November twenty third. Subscribe. Actually, and. Uh, and uh, it'd be like if I felt threatened by Brad's special and I was like, dude, I'm going to fucking give bad comments and I'm going to download <laughs> it on Reddit. Yeah. Because like, dude, if Brett gets fucking success, dude, like, what the f- like f- that means I can't because like it's a yeah. one or the other. Like what sense does it make to be competitive? Like you're wrestlers. Who gives a shit? Like, come on. But that's Vince like McMahon. Like you said, Vince McMahon manipulating it. Labor versus labor. It's a great point, Brett. Thank it's you. a culture of that. It'd be like if Brett came out with a special and then I'm like, hey, you know, he stole those jokes. My reputation, anyone's immediately like in jeopardy, even just conversationally with other comics. It's like, I know, yeah. really. now that's going around. <laughs> It's so oh, crazy, but yeah, it's maniac. He's, I mean, McMahon's just a maniac. Last story yeah. about him, but because I just think this is hilarious. This is who this guy is. He um, is a wrestler, Kofi Kingston. He's starting out or whatever, and uh, he's getting, he's moving up, he's starting is, to move this up. Is modern era, because this guy was the yeah. first black WrestleMania WrestleMania champion, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, The Rock, but like it was like the first. It was a big deal when he won. Let's just put it that way. Well, it I was, think a lot of fans were like. The Rock has a little bit of that OJ effect going on where he's yeah. he's not black. He's The Rock. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like Rock no, I know what you mean. honestly is a little bit transcendent of race by virtue right. of massiveness of the guy. Yeah. And I think that was part of it. So um, can, I, can so, I say this in relation to the OJ's famous quote of I'm not black, I'm OJ? Yeah. The way I feel about myself is I'm not white. I'm Brett. <laughs> 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 All right, now tell us this uh, the Kofi story. So uh, Kofi's on the private plane. He's fairly new, but he's a rising star. And uh, he's on the private when jet. When you say the private plane, does that mean there's a private plane of like elite wrestlers? Or does that mean he had his own private plane? No, Vince McMahon has a private plane where yeah, all the writers Vince, Vince and like so charges the wrestlers tickets to get on the flight. <laughs> Dude, you know he's asking for gas money. For us to fly to Phoenix, it's going to be three grand in gas. So if we split it 22 ways and you're like, just pay the bill, you cheap fuck. So, anyway, so, so since this guy's on the rise, Vince McMahon allows him. So I imagine this private plane is something that is reserved for, you said, writers and then like the premier wrestler guys. Writers and the premier wrestlers, the Undertakers, the Triple H's, the Rocks, Brock Lesnar, all the, wow. you know, wow. actually Brock, Le- Brock Lesnar has his own private plane. Never yeah, some left. of those guys made enough money to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, John Cena had his own bus. Yeah, it's a big fucking deal to be on it. Exactly. Um, and so, just for one more thing, all of the rest to put in perspective, it's up to you to get to the gig. So if you're a wrestler who's a nobody, <laughs> yeah. you're 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 flying commercial, right? Going through yeah. security, like you're just fucking sitting. There. Yeah, okay. So anyway, um, uh, Vince McMahon makes some kind of derogatory comment to Kofi, um, like not like racist or anything, just like I don't know what it would be. It would be like you're a little shrimp or something like that. Like just basically making fun of him in a way that's like insulting. And Kofi's like, 
yeah, that's fucking weird. Like, but, I mean, he's my boss. So like, what am I going to do? So then he, it kind of like goes away. And then Chris Jericho kind of like leans over. And he's like, dude, you got to fight him. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, what? Because Chris Jericho has been a lot around a while. Right. So Chris Jericho goes like, you got to fight him. Like, that's what he wants. Like he's insulting you. So he wants to, he's testing you to see if you'll stand up for yourself. So you got to like, wrestle him or something and he kind of did and he guess he got his respect but that's who that too <laughs> on the plane yeah he's wrestled people on the plane before what the like, fuck you know by the way coming from a family of pilots that pilot is fucking so irate that they're <laughs> two, like 500 pounds worth of man are just rolling around on the back of this he's probably like dude you know how much harder my job is i know for this arbitrary like masculinity stress test it's yeah like, there was like a it, so, so that was good advice though chris jericho was not being manipulative was not no like, he's not he was actually he's, like this is how you this is how you like get his respect and rise up yeah because he doesn't like there was one he was doing a, like some kind of impromptu class or session or training session with a bunch of people and he kept stepping on somebody's foot vince mcmahon kept stepping on one wrestler's foot and the guy was just like uh i mean he keeps stepping on my foot like I'm going to try to move it. So he tried to move it a couple of times, but he kept stepping on his foot and he's like, all right. And then after a while he goes, Vince goes, are you going to say anything? I've been stepping on your foot for like 10 minutes. So basically like if you don't stand up for yourself, he like fucks with you to see if you'll kick his ass. And if you do, then he likes you. Well, at one point it's like, cause Vince McMahon is, it's not like he's a wrestler. No. So like, it's so stupid to, like bully a wrestler into wrestling you when you don't wrestle like wouldn't like i don't know what it takes to be a wrestler in terms of like training but it would be like a boxing trainer or like a boxing like like uh yeah what was the fucking uh the guy in the the 90s who was really big the guy who who was the promoter for tyson um don king don king don king yeah, if Don King was like talking shit to Mike Tyson to get him to punch him, it's like why would that's so dumb? Why would you do that? Like <laughs> you're just gonna I, get your ass kicked by Mike Tyson. Why would you like my like my point is is like Vince McMahon isn't gonna give him a fight, right? Yeah. Like that I mean, guy, Kofi or whatever, would like beat the shit out of him in a fight, right? I mean, you would think the guy's a lot older, but he also works out like a madman. Uh he just thinks he can do it at mark henry who's uh won an, a legitimate strongest man in the world competition this yeah. guy's like 300 pounds he mark henry can crush an apple with his hand like mm -hmm. that's insane right so uh so mark henry's in the gym and vince is in the gym and he like he's vince is trying to go pound for pound with him in the, in the weight room <laughs> and he does meanwhile this is vince at like 50 60 years old so he's going to tr to train with him and mark was like i mean he was like challenging me too i was like it was getting a little hard and he's like after a while i just kind of gave up because not gave up but just like i was like eh, you can have it old man if you want and he kept going and went crazy and the next day vince calls him he's like I made a huge mistake. <laughs> he was in so much pain. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. He's just it's that competitive. Kinda, see, that type of stuff is kind of awesome. That's like yeah. that, like that psycho competitiveness that is kind of awesome in its own way. If not, obviously psycho. Yeah. But he, he applies that, that ideology and that, that mental state 
to everything, contract negotiations included. It's all competition. It's all in competition. And he does not mind running up the score $4 billion to $75,000. Like that, that's, that's what it is. He doesn't want to give anything up, which breaks your heart because like the it's, there is no wrestling without wrestler. Like they're the most important part of the whole production. Yeah. Is them. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, I mean, for years he's been trying to make the, the brand, the star. So that's why, like, that's why the last big star is the rock or John Cena. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. They, they, they have a, it's dying because they don't make stars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that people want. People don't get it. There's two types of leagues like the NFL and the NBA are the two like examples of it. The NFL is not a player's league. I mean, in the NBA is a player's league in the way that in the NBA fans want to watch LeBron. They want to watch Kevin Durant. But in the NFL, people are like, I'm a Steelers fan. Yeah. And if the whole team gets traded, you're still a Steelers fan. You know what I mean? And there's more parody in the NFL and half the league is undrafted that like every year your team is there and you care about your players and things like that. But in the NBA, like no one is like a big Cleveland Cavaliers fan, except for people who live like just in Cleveland. Yeah. But that's like people like who like the Steelers or the Cowboys live all over the country. So like the NFL has done a good job of not being beholden to a star. Yeah. Whereas the NBA was completely put on the map by Magic and Bird and then Michael Jordan like knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And that whole league's success was found because before people don't know this before Magic and Bird came along, like the league was like so close to folding. It was not being successful. Like no one watched it. No one gave a shit. Like the games weren't even live on TV. They were pre-taped. Yeah. Like you would have, you would find out who won games by the newspaper because you couldn't watch <laughs> them. And then they would like be shown on TV six days after. Like it was just ridiculous yeah. where the league was. Um, the NBA is different. Like, or the NFL is different. The NFL has just been since the eighties, like a, even the seventies, but just a powerhouse and no one isn't, they weren't beholden to a single star. They made the league, the, um, the, the brand and it yeah. works, but it's, it's a team sport which are, where wrestling is not a team sport and basketball is arguably, arguably the least impactful team sport. Meaning if you have the best player on the court, you're most likely going to win the game. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously in the regular season, there's all, there's 82 games. So sometimes LeBron James doesn't try as hard, but blah, blah, blah. But in the, in like the playoffs, very seldom does the team that has lesser talent beat the team that has talent. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I think it's a couple reasons. Part of it is like NBA players, like there's only five guys per side at a time. So 10 guys on the court. So you, one out of five, you're one out of five people on the court. So you touch the ball a lot just yeah, by yeah. virtue of one out of five versus NFL. It's what is there? 12? 11. So 11. It's 11. Not to mention you don't can connect as much with the players when you're watching because their, their, their faces are covered. They're like covered in pads. So you kind of don't connect with that emotion as much as I think with NBA players. And I mean, so, that yeah, would have been the thing that could be, you know, I think the NFL will always be big because it's just people like watching enormous jacked people 
fucking <laughs> other jacked people. Well, it's also like we've touched on it before, but it's just like the best sport to gamble on, the best sport for fantasy sports. And it helps that it comes on at the same time every day or every week on Sundays at one, at Sundays at four, Sunday nights at eight, and then Monday nights and now Thursday nights. So like those time slots are just dominated. Like the amount of people, <clears throat> someone tweeted it out the other day. It was really brilliant. It was like some NFL football game that was not really like a good matchup in terms of like two teams that were really good. It was just in a good spot, like 53 million people tuned into it. And to put that in perspective, like the NBA finals that, you know, the last game LeBron won had like 5 million people watching it. So it's like this bullshit game that doesn't really matter in the middle of the NFL, like gets 53 million people watching it. And it's like so much for the, oh, NFL is dying argument and like all the NFL because like the media likes to talk about like concussions and stuff. And they're like, oh, people are going to stop letting their kids play the NFL and the NFL is going to go away. I'm like, no, it's not. This thing is huge. (laughs) It's huge. It's going to take, it's going to take generations for the, like the NFL eventually will probably start falling off, but it'll, it'll, it'll be between 50 and 60 years before it really happens. Yeah. They don't move. These things don't move like on a two year time span. (laughs) Like, no, even as it, and one could even argue with some of the political controversy, perhaps there's even like, a strengthening of the brand just because of that classic argument of all publicity is good publicity. Like the NFL is just so deeply entrenched into conversations and media, even, yeah. with, even with the firestorm that uh, occurred because of the Kaepernick incident. Yeah. There's a really good podcast that, um, well, I wouldn't say it's really good, but I, I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. It was called Whistleblower, and it was about the whole uh, Donaghy NBA refereeing, uh, referee officiating thing, the scandal. And it was really good because uh, basically Donaghy was a corrupt ref who started gambling, and what he started doing was he would look at the games, and then he would look at the refs who were refing those games, and he would be able to tell you – like who would cover the spread with an 80% success rate. So to put that in perspective, like professional gamblers who, ha- who make like money, like in Vegas as a professional gambler, even the most successful ones who have yachts and mansions in Las Vegas, like the big baller uh, professional gamblers, their uh, winning threshold is 55%. Mm. A professional gambler, because they know how much to bet and when to bet and everything like that. So if they may, if they win 55% of their bets, they're, very comfortable rich men. So Donahue's could literally, depending on who was officiating the game uh, and in what teams were playing, he could predict who would cover the spread, um, which that means like if it's the Milwaukee Bucks minus five, it means that for Milwaukee to cover that spread, they have to win by six or more. Mm-hmm. And if you pick the underdog, the underdog has to lose by four or less or win outright. Are those bets so- typically like – the payout is like double your money. Like, you know, you know what I mean? It depends on it. So this, a sports book designs the, the, the numbers to try to get equal money on each side. And they take something called the VIG, which basically the payout is a lot of, like, so if you bet a hundred dollars, you'll see, I might get 40 or you'll see the odds depending on how like much of a sure thing it is. Like, um, like when McGregor was fighting, um, uh, uh, May- Mayweather was fighting McGregor. 
the odds for Mayweather were like minus 600 at one point, which was a bargain, which meant that you would have to bet $600 to win $100. That's what minus 600 means. So a lot of it's minus 110, minus 118, or minus, you know, those are the normal things. And that's called the VIG. So you put up 100 bucks and you'll win 90 or, you know, 85. And they'll take money on each side. And that VIG is how the sports book makes money. Yeah. So anyway, um, he could predict who would cover these spreads uh, based off of who's officiating. And then he got involved in uh, manipulating games, shaving points, and you know doing things like that. He said that he could uh, manipulate a game within six points either way. So like if any team was favored less than six points, he could literally make that outcome come out. So if it was like the Bulls and the Lakers and the Lakers are favored by four points, he could make that hit or not hit, depending on the way he calls the game. And his allegations were that the, they have a, cer- a certain number of referees for the NBA. They work for their NBA and their company men and that they purposely manipulate games so that the stars and big money uh, te- markets uh, teams uh, have precedent. So like there's a really good example of the Lakers and Kings played in the 2003 Western Conference Finals. So whoever wins that game goes to play the NBA Finals against the really bad Eastern Conference team. So basically whoever won that series was going to win the championship. The Lakers, or the Los Angeles Lakers, the most popular team in the NBA, the Sacramento Kings are not a very popular team. Sacramento has no sports, uh, professional sports teams other than the Kings and they're just not a big money team. So if the Kings make the finals against the, at that time, the New Jersey Nets, the ratings are going to be minuscule compared to the Lakers versus right. the New Jersey Nets. Right. This was 2003. This is Shaq and Kobe Lakers yeah. too. Yeah. Two so, NBA yeah. So this is the Lakers who already won two championships before going into the third championship. So the Kings were better that year and they were up three games to two and in game six, all they had to do was beat the Lakers and they're going in. Well, the Lakers were averaging like 22 foul shots per game, attempted per game up until that point. In the fourth quarter alone, the refs just started blowing every whistle. The Lakers got 29 foul shots alone in the fourth quarter. <laughs> they fouled out their three best players. <laughs> like in, the, in, the, in the NBA, you get fouled out if you had six fouls. All of them fouled out. Every one of the players fouled out. It was Weird. clearly this, this job done by the fucking refs. The best and, example that Whitmer from this game of refing uh, manipulation was there's one point Kobe goes up for a jump shot and like does a spin move or something. And Kobe Bryant's elbow smacks a point guard by the name of Mike. Yeah, Mike Bibby, yep. Smacks his elbow to nose, breaks Bibby's nose, he's bleeding, and the rest <laughs> call the foul on Bibby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like someone said, uh, there was someone made a really funny joke. It was like, hey, remember when Mike Bibby fouled Kobe Bryant? his elbow with his face <laughs> like that's basically what, like it was an egregious game it was an egregious game and there is like this crew of officials that they've literally they literally put down like the seven most egregious examples of bad refereeing and it's like the same ref crew or at least like one or two of the refs are in every single game so basically there's severe allegations that the uh, the NBA is basically like the WWF or the WWE, <laughs> and they're like they're like purposely manipulating the game to get the stars or the biggest platforms in the finals. And uh, what's really funny about this is they were going to like Donaghy decided to cooperate. He goes to the FBI. He's going to wear a wire and then go in and basically get all of the reps. And and the NBA got wind that there's going to be an investigation. 
So what the NBA did is the NBA leaked the story, literally exposing the biggest scandal in basketball history, but doing so only because now Donaghy can't be wearing a wire because it's out that he was the ref and all this other shit. So like no one will talk to him basically. Yeah. So like the NBA was like fishy as fuck. And then the NBA like met with the, the FBI and was like, oh yeah, we'll totally cooperate. And then they cease, they give every single NBA owner a gag order. They send like cease it's and amazing. desist. About, like, like literally it's like the WWE. It's like literally Vince McMahon running shit. I just, um, yeah. It's a crazy story. The podcast goes into it in detail, uh, but it's really like, and if you watch sports, you kind of, there's always like this, like, you think that the, it could easily be rigged and no one would know it. Like, yeah. it's so easy. I was watching, uh, I'm rewatching Breaking Bad and there's that scene where Hank starts suspecting Gustavo Fring of, uh, of running all this meth or whatever. And then they bring him in and they like basically interrogate him. But it's under the guise of like, we're just asking you questions. We know you're a friend of the police. He's like, yes, of course. And they ask him all these hard questions and he has a complete alibi for everything. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's this crazy meth dealer. Yeah. <laughs> he has his like appointment book. Where was I? Uh, was on our- right here. Yeah. yeah. From seven to eight, I was, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And one of the things that's like, I was thinking about wrestling is about, is that like, it's, it kind of sucks now because everything's so ridiculous. Like it almost needs to be boring. Like, you know what I mean? Like the reason Conor McGregor is such a huge figure is because he's so outlandish, but mm-hmm. if everybody was as outlandish as him, like it wouldn't mean anything. Yeah. You know I mean? So like, let's say for instance, if Conor McGregor, if there was a fight between two fucking jabronis, two, you know, nobody knows guys and UFC and mm-hmm. Conor jumps in the cage and just hits one of them or two of them with a chair it would be all over the news because that's the craziest thing that never happens but like in wrestling it happens every week so it doesn't matter so like you almost need to like make wrestling a a boring legitimate sport (laughs) in order for like one guy to be rick flair and go crazy and like actually cheat to win you know Bring back Greco-Roman style, like impose exactly. Greco-Roman yeah. rules on WDB, which would be a great, that would be a great narrative. If like there yeah. was some wrestler who was like, I'm a purist and I'm trying to get Vince to change the rules back. And that was yeah. like the tug and the push and pull of the season was like trying to litigate. Yeah, it would be amazing. Going back to the NBA, it's interesting because I feel like if they just came out and said the NBA was fake, it wouldn't matter because... <laughs> Because first of all, you still have to make the baskets. It's not like yeah. completely yeah. fake. Like you can't make but, it win. Like you yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you can manipulate the game to where you can definitely fuck with it to where you can affect the outcome on a subtle level. Um, but, but it's really contingent upon you realizing, oh, LeBron James is the best player. So if I just give him the calls, his team's gonna win because he's the best player. It's not like I could go in and play for the the Lakers and win a championship because of bad yeah. calls. You know what I mean? You still have to right. be the most wildly talented player. But I feel like people want to see these matchups. They want to see, you know, LeBron versus the the Warriors those years that the LeBron went to the finals. They want to see, you know, big matchups. They want to see LeBron James in the finals this year. They want to see these things. So I feel like it's kind of understood in the in the circles that they always say like the stars get calls in the NBA. So Michael Jordan, there's a fucking hilarious famous clip where Michael Jordan comes up to a ref and was like, dude, he fouled me. And the ref goes, he did? He goes, yeah, he fouled me right on the elbow. And he goes, 
He blows his whistle and says, foul number 22. He's like, hey, Michael, you're worried. If you say it's a foul, it's a foul. Like, that's just always been understood in the NBA that, like, the stars get the calls. That's and I feel like if it was if it was more brutal, like the NFL, where, like, it doesn't seem to be, you know, that predicated on it. Um, that's, like, straight I mean, out of Space Jam, where the umpire yeah, is helping Michael yeah. Jordan. <laughs> Dude, they asked David Stern, who who passed away earlier this year, uh, but they asked him if he had a dream matchup for the NBA to have in the finals in terms of like what would get the best ratings. You know what he said? What? He said, uh, yeah, my dream would be the Lakers versus the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So it's uh, like the rock versus the rock, basically. Like, well, you know what I mean? I know, but that's like that's why wrestling's so great, because you're never gonna get a WrestleMania main event that's a dud. Like it's never gonna yeah. be like two like jabrones. Like you're never it's not gonna be the Brooklyn Brawler versus yeah. some Whipple. shitty overachiever who wasn't yeah. supposed to be there all of a sudden is playing the rock now, uh, facing the rock in like the final exactly it never would happen because <laughs> Vince wouldn't let it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, I love that we've gone this long. We haven't mentioned the fact that Joe Biden has won the election. <laughs> I love the idea that somebody's like, I wonder what they have to say this week about the election no, it's, results. It's good. It's it's a return to what we needed, which was a boring. That's true. Person. We needed, and honestly, yeah. as someone who, you know, it's funny when people are celebrating Biden because it's like we're not really celebrating Biden. We're he was definitely a not Trump vote. Yeah, he was like this is this. Yeah. Like, there are airheads that like the label says like mystery like oh. <laughs> yeah like that could have been on the ballot it literally could have been a question mark that said mystery candidate and i honestly think that won the election <laughs> like yeah um so saturday night uh saturday morning or afternoon early afternoon biden gets announced as the winner by the ap and it's like that's who I was waiting for. I was waiting for AP and, a- and NBC and ABC News in particular because they ca- they were calling at the strictest, and uh, they called it. And then um, Saturday night, uh, I did mushrooms <laughs> for the first time. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and uh, it, it was n- nothing nothing too crazy. It was just uh, you just feel really good and like things look a little weird, but there, it was nothing dramatic. But I got on Facebook. And it's funny because, like, generally speaking, if you're getting a debate on Facebook, you're just an idiot because it just doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, whatever you say, you're just saying it so you can try to embarrass the other person. And there's no, like, actual, like, debate happening. And you're no one's trying to come away from it knowing more than they did when they started it. It's all just trying to be like, yeah, fuck you. I got you there, bitch. So I go on Facebook and like I realize going through the comment or the the posts from all my like Trump supporting friends and family is like the issues that they thought were up for grabs in this election were they were completely manipulated on. So like one dude posts like, oh, now that fucking Biden wins, now everything's going to be like California where there's just homeless people everywhere and they're shitting in your streets and pissing in your streets. And I was like. Is that what you thought was up for grabs here? <laughs> Is that in the wake of this this tense election, you're sitting there crossing your fingers like, no, I don't want Biden's piss and shit homeless diarrhea person to come in and <laughs> fucking destroy the streets with shit because I know that's one of his plans because, you know, that's what he must have clearly talked about in the debates. And then, like, another person was like, now, now that they can further their agenda more, there will never be another Republican president ever again. I'm like, 
can you just look back and just realize that you were manipulated when the things you thought were at stake were just clearly not at stake? It's so stupid that Obama was just president for eight years and none of this shit happened. And now yeah. Biden is president and he's a more of a moderate than Obama was. So like, what what do you, world do you live in where these possibilities were even up and like, how are you concerned about that for even a second? It's just so stupid. People are dumb. And then one guy was like, and now I'm going to have to take my AR and I'm going to sit on my porch and wait for Antifa to come. And I, I literally read, I was like, what does this say about you that you just can't wait for yeah. the opportunity to, to murder Antifa people, literally to kill other Americans with your AR. Now that Joe Biden is president, you think that because he's president, Antifa is going to specifically target your property and try to take it from you. What world are you living in? It's all you can just tell how manipulated people were and how like they were driven by fear and how none of the things because like could, literally most liberals I know were concerned about the Supreme Court and they were concerned about you know, actual things that could have plausibly happened, like Roe v. Wade being overturned, um, because now that there's majority justices are concerned, like actual issues that are actually at stake. But like the conservatives are literally, a lot of them were literally under the impression that other things are on the ballot here and they just weren't. Uh, it, it is really funny because, uh, sorry. Um, it, but each side does that too. Cause like, when Bush was like president or running for a second term, it was like, he's going to be a dictator. He's, he's trying to bring fascism to fucking America. And then that didn't happen. And then Trump, the same thing, but that didn't happen. But, um, real, real quick, uh, uh, shit. I forgot. I was going to say, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Trump is like he, I mean, there is a form of fascism or just authoritarian when he just won't, see <laughs> that is true that's the thing you won't give up power and this is what we've all been saying like everybody was like you do know who you just elected right there is no universe where this guy will walk away from this job if he loses the election he won't he won't do it and if you think that on january 21st remember four years ago when obama had to hand over the reins to fucking trump and how like you know that hurt his soul to do that but yeah. obama was so respectful and had Trump in the, in the in literally the Oval Office and shook his hand and met and met and wet and met, met with him for an hour and a half when he was supposed to talk to him for fifteen minutes. It was like Obama with all this dignity, and he, I guarantee you, on January twentieth or twenty first, whatever the day is, he's not even gonna fucking be there. He won't yeah. be there. He'll be in Mar-a-Lago tweeting about how fucking this all a sham and the election was stolen from him. And it, it's just like, this is who he is. And if if anybody is surprised by what's happening, they just weren't paying attention to begin with. And all these idiots who are jumping on board with him, and, and they're like, now that they're making like the legal defense, they're like, yeah, well, they should do a thorough inspection and make sure that all the votes that were counted were legal. That's, that's what always happens. People don't realize that the media projects the, the winner based off of the numbers that were reported from each county, and they can within like a 99% accuracy predict who wins who wins everything but at the, what really happens in the whole thing is that the states count all the votes and then in the middle of December they issue a, a a specific winner a certified winner is what they call it they certify the winner but it it is not until every vote is counted and the ones that are are bad thrown out but all of the projections are based off of the data of what is 99% to be accurate 
there will be 100 votes here that were fraudulent. There will be 200 votes here that should have been counted one way that were counted the other way. It always happens to a little extent. But if Trump is under the impression that they're going to overturn yeah, you know, four million votes, and and he's gonna win. He's just out of his fucking mind, and like that, it just goes back to like people don't know what the normal process is, so they can have all these conspiracy theories because they don't even know how it's supposed to happen. So like we're sitting in a world right now where people are like, since when does the fucking media tell us who the president is? All the time, because Every it's time. based off of data. And then, officially, <laughs> the in the middle time. of December, there is a certification process, and all of the, the the states will certify their vote for the candidate who won the state, and then those that will officially go into the count of the electoral votes. But right now, as it stands, that is projected to be Biden with 99% certainty that it will be for Biden. That's why the media called it, you fucking idiots. Here's the other thing, is that... The <laughs> The alternative is who's supposed to call the election? Well, not one of the people running in it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who they're saying is allowed to call the election. I'm like, that's not how it works. It definitely needs to be not the one of the fucking two people running. He literally said, I won. I'm sorry. Multiple times he said he won. And then he said, I won big time, like by a lot. <laughs> I'm like, you can't do that too. No, you can't no. be like, no, guys, I won. And it's actually by a lot. Because you. there are people that are honestly there. There are there are people who have been really just bought into. And what Trump does is he's undermined trust in every American institution, yeah. except him. You don't even yeah, know what anymore. And to he, the is, point- he, yeah, so he's the only voice of reason. And even on a family group thread, we had uh, you know, or I'll just say a friend group thread to keep it anonymous. <laughs> it's like that Simpsons joke is like this uh let's keep it anonymous Lisa S no wait that's too that's too obvious L Simpson <laughs> <laughs> No it's just like I feel like the other side is constantly accusing the other side of being political and yeah. being manipulated and it's it's frustrating cuz uh on the family threads my uh, brother shared how there's a COVID vaccine 90% effective. And in the article, it mentions how Pfizer is pushed back against the Trump administration wanting to just declare it completely effective. Uh-huh. A family member wrote how, oh, wow, looks like they're not even insulated from the political aims. And I go, no, that's what they're trying to do, insulate themselves from the political aims. Because, of course, Trump wants a vaccine. That's 100%. Yeah. He's always been a short-term guy. Like, kick the can down the road and let someone else deal with the problem. Anyway. Yeah. He's also like, what's so stupid about that story is Biden came and spoke about, you know, the vaccine and things like that and how Pfizer, you know, did this and like the way the immediacy of this is good news, but it's not like we're out of the the storm is basically what he was saying. He's like, you know, if this passes the FDA and everything, it'll still be take a long time to administer this to the majority of Americans. That's all he was saying. And people came out, they're like, Biden's trying to take credit for Trump's work on the, and then Pfizer was like, dude, we took, we accepted zero federal funding because we yeah. like literally, they didn't want Trump to take credit for the vaccine. Yeah. So they accepted no, they actually took money from Berlin instead of the United States government, Pfizer. So they didn't have to fucking deal with Trump. That's literally what happened. So Trump can't take credit for this vi- vi- uh, vaccine in any capacity. He literally did nothing. He did not a thing. It's just crazy that he's uh, uh, fostered 
distrust in all these institutions so much to the point that when he when Fox News was like, well, Joe Biden won, they're like, what the how dare you? Fuck you, you traitors. You're like, I don't I, Fox News is like, I don't know what you want us to do. Like, yeah, it's, it's just, like that's you know what I you know what I don't get to like someone who is reasonably intelligent and you know just an average member of society let's say just say average man lives in michigan wanted trump to win voted for trump and then he sees the people who are on tv uh who are protesting and that agree with him saying it's a fraud and then they they show the people who are doing it and it's literally like people of walmart.com it's just a bunch of like sleeveless retards wearing embarrassing clothes. Like if I if I was so cons- like so certain that I was right, and then you showed me a group of people who agreed with me, and they were those people, I'd be like, oh shit, I must not be because there's no way those people know what's really going on. There's no yeah. there's not a universe where t- trash like that has any like they're not getting real intelligence. They're just the most easily led manipulated people in society and here they are to pitch in the fit like you're like I, I, I guess my whole thing is like how do you not realize you're being manipulated when you they, see certain things they that's what's interesting because i did watch a little like six minute news piece on people protesting outside uh, saying it is rigged fraudulent election you know fraudulent votes they in the it's like they're so close to getting it, but they don't get it because they're literally yeah. like people will just believe anything that they you know see online these days, and you're like, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're saying the problem while absolutely in doing the fucking problem. They think everybody thinks they're not dumb. They yeah. no one thinks they're manipulated. If they did. Yeah they would change. If you thought you were the manipulated one, you would go, oh, wait. But something in humans makes us never turn the analysis inward. It just- yeah, it, it, it's something that's so stupid. I, it's one of my biggest criticisms of humankind. It's like religion. It's like, what, were the, what are the odds that you were born believing in the correct God when there's been hundreds of thousand religions over the course, like what are just the sheer odds, just the sheer odds of you being born and the thing that you were told as a child is the correct version of everything. What are the odds? Just don't even tell me like anything other than one in however many religions there are, if, you know, worldwide. How about this? Like, even even if you consolidate it down to five, which isn't, isn't, isn't right because uh, each one of those fives has hundreds of different sects of different religions that believe in different things and think they're right. But let's just call it five. That means you have a one in five chance of being right about the the most important thing ever, which is burning in hell forever or going to heaven. One in five, and you're gonna see, you're gonna act that way. Like no one ever does, turns it in on themselves and really analyzes the things that they believe uh, at all. And I hate it. That's why I love comedians because we're trained to do that because we have to make fun of ourselves. Here's what I'll say, Wit. I will uh, offer you three to one odds. I think Catholicism is gonna cover the spread <laughs> <laughs> on being the go-to religion that you know we're the chosen people. <laughs> um, I I, I want to say one thing. Going back to the Antifa guy or the guy waiting on his porch for Antifa to show up. I mean, yeah. half of the reason the Antifa is there is because of Trump. So like, I feel like a lot of them are just going to go like, ah, we're done. All right, yeah. let's go home guys. <laughs> like those things are yeah. over. 
one thing I will say about Antifa, which is really interesting, is like th- this must have been like five or six years ago, like one of those like 2020 like CBS Sunday morning or they did a whole thing on Antifa. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they literally like interviewed a bunch of people who were members of Antifa and like the like what they would do is they would go to events and they would like take pictures of the people who were deemed Nazis or fascists by them. And they would use the photos to try to figure out who they were and then like tell that person's job that they're Nazis. And like that was one of their ways that Antifa wow. was, you know, battling fascism in their mind was to was to basically do it that way. Um but my whole point is, is like in the last year, the, the liberals and Democrats have been a little dishonest. Like Biden in the campaign and this debate oh, yeah. was like, Antifa isn't a group of people. It's just an idea. And it's like, no, there's a group of people. And granted, it's probably only about 15,000 people worldwide, but it's a group of people and they're crazy. They're nutso. But it goes back to like counterculture and like our cancel culture. And it's like, People think cancel culture is such a big deal, but I maintain that cancel culture is like 20,000 people on Twitter. And that like yeah. I heard a study that like I, I think it's like only like one in six adults have a Twitter account. So like we're really basing the like the pulse of the nation off of Twitter when one in six adults have it and everybody on it's a, a scumbag to begin with. I, I don't think any of these things are actually as real as they seem that they are. And I think that we overblown shit and like everybody goes to Twitter to see what what's happening. It's, and it's just not an accurate gauge of what's really going on. No, it's because we're and everyone on Twitter is in media or culture. Like they're just we're all invested in pop culture. Yeah. Because that's our either that's what we focus on, that's the job, that's whatever. Like people with like actually important societal jobs generally don't have it. Like, yeah, yeah, like, and they shouldn't. Lawyers don't because yeah. they're fucking being doctors and lawyers, and that's not limited to those two fields. But it's just like it's all it's everybody who's bored with nothing else going on is on Twitter. Just to uh, wrap up, like just to bring some things together. This this actually happened yesterday, so this brings in religion, Trump, and WWE. One wow. of the W. <laughs> The three, the three most important, <laughs> the Holy Trinity, <laughs> uh, the uh, one of the WWE referees put this on Instagram. It's a picture of the White House and it says, no matter who is in the White House, Christ is on his throne. So and this is the, the comment. It's a, a the caption. It goes, as a man of faith, I make an attempt to look at everything through a biblical worldview. As we await the legal and electoral process for the presidency, I'm reminded of how the Lord has used a flawed playboy billionaire who gave up everything to become a public servant and his and advance historic God honoring policies over the past few years. And then I I I didn't put it on here, but I put it on like Reddit because they were talking about it. I was like the the quote of I I'm reminded of how the Lord has used a flawed playboy billionaire who gave up everything to become a public servant. And I was like, is he talking about Trump or Iron Man? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest fallacy on Trump. And like, I, I can't believe people would believe it that. And I go, we talked about it. We, we don't have to go into this again because we're going to wrap up here in a second. But just the whole QAnon thing and how the story goes that they were begging <laughs> Trump to run for office. But he was like, oh, I can't be. I'm not going to be president. Like, please, Trump, please run for president. He's like, oh, I guess. OK. <laughs> it's like he's the most egotistical person. Like, just listen. To, like, don't if you're someone who is convinced that fake news manipulates everything, don't even read the news. Just listen to his speeches. 
yep. and objectively look at them and just be like, that guy's insane. There's nothing about it that you can that you need a, a, a news commentator. You don't need Anderson Cooper to tell you a thing about this guy's character. It's literally just watch him and like just know the things that he's done in his life. But that's all I can say. But this guy's not going away anytime soon. And I predict that literally the Republican Party will have a split like the Tea Party, except this time it'll be like the Make America Great Again Party. Mm-hmm. And his son has a future in this. He might even run again in 2024. And it's just going to be a it's going to be a really tough time because regardless of what anybody says, 69, almost I think 70 million people still voted for this fucking guy. So, yeah. there, you know, Biden won and that's great. He won by about four million votes. But there's a net of. Four million people who prefer a Biden presidency to a Trump presidency. And to me, that margin, that's kind of scares me. So this is far from over. So if you like Trump, don't worry about it. Biden won't get anything done. And then one of your psychos will be back in office in 2024, <laughs> guaranteed. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got to plug? <laughs> uh, I'm comedy put- special. <laughs> uh, yeah, real quick. I'm putting out uh, some cooking videos, one minute cooking videos on my TikTok, and I'm going to start putting it on my YouTube. So if you want to follow me on there, my TikTok is, uh, well, what, 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 Nick, what is your TikTok? I, I, I love TikTok, by the way. It's, it's really, it's really awesome. My TikTok is, I'm opening it real quick. Sorry. Uh, it is just Nick Whitmer, I think. Yep. Just Nick Whitmer. That should have been pretty clear. Just Nick Whitmer. Look me up. I'm putting on one minute recipe videos uh, with, with some commentary and I put some stand-up clips on there. And then I'm also going to put them on YouTube. So check me out on YouTube. Subscribe to both, please. I really could use it. Uh, I got a comedy special coming out. Brett Rabel on YouTube. It's going to be great. It's out on November 23rd. Check it out. Check YouTube, that out. Christian King Latifah on Spotify and all streaming platforms. Like, share, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, please. Uh, numbers are going up, so let's keep them going up, motherfucker. Yeah, man. All right, boys. See Have a good week. Peace. Bye-bye. All right. So I stopped this.